Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi, and welcome to episode four of From Page to Practice. In this episode, I'll be focusing on Boys Don't Try, Rethinking Masculinity in Schools by Matt Pinkett and Mark Roberts. I've chosen to focus on this book in this episode because there's been such an amazing reaction to it. It's made many people question our practice when it comes to teaching boys, and some schools are even using it as the basis of this year's whole school improvement. It's a hugely important topic to discuss and addresses some very important misconceptions about teaching boys. So, before we hear from today's contributors about their reflections on the book and how they're applying what they've read in their classrooms, I'm going to use the introduction of the book to help any listeners that haven't yet read it. The book was written following a couple of blog posts by the authors Matt and Mark called Balance for Boys and Boys Engagement in the Classroom. These blog posts are a long way from the content of this book. They've done a lot of rethinking since that time. Each chapter of the book follows the same structure, the story behind it, the research and the solutions, which makes it just perfect for from page to practice. It does exactly what we talk about on this podcast. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Next, we're going to hear from today's contributors. Anthea, returning again, having previously spoken about closing the vocabulary gap. Joe, Hannah and Martine with their reflections and how they've applied their reading of this book into their classrooms. Hello, my name's Anthea Harper. I'm currently Year 9 Coordinator for English at a secondary school in Cornwall. Um, Over the summer, I read the book Boys Don't Try. Um, My kind of motivation for reading it was that I'm doing my MPQML this year, and as part of it, I've been asked to set up an intervention group for a group of people, premium boys, um, to increase their engagement in English and in school life in general, really. Um, So I thought this book would be a great place to start after seeing people raving about it on Twitter. I was really shocked at how much this book did teach me about teaching boys and educate me about all the kind of misconceptions that I had about teaching boys, which I think are quite common across the teaching sector. because I'm doing it for my MPQML, as I was going through, I was kind of jotting down ideas and sticking post-its all over it. Um, and some of the kind of salient things that really stuck with me, um, one of them from the you know the very first chapter of the book, boys underperform at all key stages of primary school and secondary education compared to girls. They're less likely to go to university. They're more likely to be excluded. They're less likely to find paid work in their 20s to their 30s. You know, it's, it's facts and statistics like that that actually really shocked me. I knew that there was, you know, a problem with boys across the board um, underachieving compared to girls. However, it's really stark that that can continue through their whole life. And actually, if we don't take those preventative measures in primary school, in secondary school, we are failing these children and that shouldn't be okay. 
I think something that really shocked me was how it completely bust the myth of boys loving competitiveness and actually how damaging it can be for them in the long run. I know when I was sort of planning this intervention, that element of competition is something that I really thought I would include and I have completely scrapped that because of actually how damaging it could be for their confidence, um, which is not what I want from them at all. I think as well something that um, was a really salient takeaway was this real need um, for us as teachers to expose students to knowledge with high cultural capital. Um, Before I read Boys Don't Try I'd read Closing the Vocabulary Gap and I think these two books work brilliantly together for how to teach students and what to teach them. I think by coupling um, Alex Quigley's suggestions on vocabulary work with the suggestions in Boys Don't Try about kind of how to go about teaching them, it, it could make for a really, really wonderful curriculum, particularly if we're exposing students to a variety of high level ideas. Um, it's something I've been trialing in my classroom recently. Um, teaching explicit vocabulary that's very high level vocabulary that they wouldn't have come across before using the etymology, using all the different things suggested in closing the vocabulary gap Um, but with a specific focus on exposing them to high level ideas that go with those vocabulary and I've been having conversation with these boys that I've been working with and they've been so excited about what they've learned and they've been so proud that they can go home and talk to their parents and say oh you know I I learned about this today and I never thought I'd be able to learn about that before which is really exciting considering how disengaged this group of students often can be. Um, Another thing which I think was one of my key takeaways from the book is um, where they talk about the Pygmalion effect versus the Golem effect. So this idea that with the Pygmalion effect being that high expectations um, have a beneficial influence on outcomes and then the opposite being negative attitudes leading to poor outcomes. Um, this is something I've actually sort of uh, disseminated to my department because I think it it takes two minutes for a teacher to have a positive conversation with a student and that can have a massive impact. So I've now changed my kind of intervention strategy where it's all about class teachers having a positive conversation with the students. It takes two minutes a fortnight um, recording these conversations, which I then pick up on and discuss in further detail with the students, give them praise um, and, and things like that based, based from that. And it's been really, really working. The boys have been saying, you know, that they're so surprised at how well they do in English. And some of the things their teachers said that the teachers were proud of, they would never have thought that that was something that the teacher had noticed or that they would be proud of. So it's been a really, really good way to help make them see when they do make the right choices, the kind of uh, clear, good outcomes that that can have. Um, Final thing, just as an English teacher, it will completely change the way that I teach Romeo and Juliet from now on. There were some really interesting ideas about Romeo and his emotional state and how we could actually use that to open up conversations about about boys' mental health, um, which I think we perhaps don't do enough of in our day-to-day classrooms. Um, So to kind of summarise, I think this is one of those books that you read and then um, you just go and tell everyone about because it really, really is so thought-provoking, so interesting. I truly believe that every teacher 
should be reading this because it's not only applicable to boys, it is applicable to every student you come across, but equally every person you come across in life. I've been telling my non-teacher friends to read it as well because actually I think it could really uh, be very proactive in breaking down some of the kind of barriers or stereotypes that we have in society. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. My name is Jo Webb and I'm an assistant head teacher and strategic director for Raising Boys Achievement at a large secondary school in Coventry. The school's new to me and it's a brand new role for the school. It's been very exciting after 20 years of teaching English to diversify a little and look a little bit more at boys' achievement, the barriers, and how we can start to close the gap on girls. Part of the book Boys Don't Try that I found very useful is Mark Roberts' chapter on expectations. I think it's reassuring, really, that the premise of the whole book is about raising expectations for both boys and girls, and that there are no magic solutions and that what we have to do is up our game, particularly in relation to boys. In this chapter, Mark looks at setting and looks at how sometimes boys drift down through the sets in the course of their secondary career, not because of lack of academic ability or potential, but because of other barriers, including behaviour. We looked at the gender splits in our year eight and year 11 core subjects. And we did make some tweaks for setting for the forthcoming academic year on the basis of what we looked at. Another aspect of this chapter that's really useful is the questionnaire that it contains. There's a number of statements and there's a scale of agreement and disagreement against those statements. We actually used this questionnaire with students and we read them the statements and videoed them talking in response to them. So we had some very spontaneous student voice. We then backed this up by looking at the same statements with staff and getting them to explore biases perhaps they didn't even know they had. So it was quite interesting to sort of compare the staff and student take in response to those. Another aspect of the chapter I thought was great was around language and our school is very hot on using language appropriately and well. And I think we've all been in schools where we've heard the phrase man up, certainly something I know that in the past I've used myself. And I think it's just a timely reminder in this chapter that getting the language right and appropriate is important and affects perception of boys in particular in this context. I thoroughly recommend this book. I think what's good about having a book written by practitioners is it's very relatable and it's also appropriate, I think, at all levels of teaching. There's ideas for school leaders, there's ideas for NQTs, there's ideas that you can put into your classroom straight away. So I enjoyed as well the contrast between the chapters between Matt and Mark. I think it's a good book to reflect on how we can better the progress and outcomes for boys but it is more than that and I appreciate very much that it's about creating a culture in which boys can thrive. 
Hi, I'm Hannah and I'm a secondary French and Spanish teacher and I'm at MissMFL16 on Twitter. I'm currently in my third year of teaching and I was fortunate to meet Matt and Mark at a teaching conference in Leeds last year. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to hear their presentation. However, a colleague fed back and highly recommended reading Boys Don't Try. So I bought the book there and then from Matt and Mark and finally got the chance to read it over the summer holidays. I found this book a really effective tool for reflecting on my own practice. During my PGCE, I remember once hearing someone say I should incorporate football into my lessons as it would engage the boys more in languages. I found this tricky as my own football knowledge just isn't great really and I also felt that then I left the girls behind and would need to create a lesson to engage them. It just seemed silly. I also found it quite difficult when I'd spent hours planning that lesson on football, only for it to not go as well as I'd hoped. From then on, I didn't want to keep dividing the boys versus girls groups as it just created issues in the classroom. So I ensured that I made more random teams and if I happened to be teaching free time activities, then didn't see an issue in bringing football in or even shopping, but never creating specific lessons. Another takeaway from Boys Don't Try is the way in which I address my class. I've heard teachers addressing their classes in many different ways, from boys, girls, boys and girls, guys, etc. This book has made me revisit how I address my own class and I am trying to use more inclusive language. I am continuing to focus on using the year group names, for example, year 10, year 11, year seven, or the class name as it is displayed on the school's timetable. In addition, I currently teach Year 10 Relationships topic for PSHE. The first lesson discusses gender stereotypes and reading this book has made me replan this lesson and discuss or challenge the role models, expectations, social norms in more detail. The pupils have really enjoyed this topic so far and I am really looking forward to further developing this lesson as I continue to reflect upon my own practice and listen to the pupils' feedback. I highly recommend this book to any teacher. You can pick out individual chapters which are relevant to your own practice or read the whole book. Choose whatever you fancy. I've recently recommended this book to some of my friends who are currently training to be teachers as I wish I'd had this book when I was training and I hadn't spent so many hours planning lessons that I thought would engage the boys which weren't really actually effective. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Hi, my name's Martine. I've been teaching English um, in a secondary school for 10 years. Read Boys Don't Try over the summer. and The chapter really that most stuck with me was the one on um, boys and mental health. Um, About kind of the idea that boys might have different language for talking about their mental health and might talk about their mental health in ways that it's not always clear to us that they might be talking about mental health so they might be more likely to talk about feeling tired or feeling stressed or feeling like things have gotten on top of them whereas not so much explicit language about their mental health that we might expect more from girls um one thing that particularly struck with me is the idea that we don't necessarily interpret boys anger is having anything to do with mental health when it it might well be Um, and then the stats on sort of male suicide being often um, more likely that they would actually commit suicide because they're more likely to use methods associated with anger 
Um, and it made me think of kind of how many times in 10 years I've come across boys punching the wall and things like that and it hasn't really registered in my brain as an act of self-harm and you know and that's I consider myself someone that is quite clued up on mental health but it's always been something that kind of as a school culture we've associated with anger with defiance with destruction and not necessarily as self-harm and so that's been something that's really really stuck with me and really has made me think about the way I view mental health in the classroom um, from an English perspective um, I mean I was was taught when I was training to teach the idea of specific tasks or ways of, of teaching to engage boys was sort of the done thing I've had inset training um, you know about using competition and lots of sport metaphors um, and it, it's never really sat comfortably with me but what I liked about the book is it kind of exposed this idea that not only is it unhelpful and alienating to lots that might not fit that stereotype but it's actually quite unhelpful and quite damaging um, and it's reinforcing a certain idea of masculinity that actually is damaging in the long run um, and that by perhaps choosing you know more non-fiction text for boys perhaps you know sporting things it's actually diluting the content of the curriculum it's lowering our expectations and it might be sort of reinforcing the message that kind of English is a girl's subject it's it's not sort of boy friendly and the example in the book that talked about choosing war poetry rather than love poetry if you've got a particularly boy heavy class is definitely a trap that we've fallen into before um, but actually when you start thinking about the messages underlying that then yeah it, it's obvious that that's a damaging thing to do um, so that's been incredibly helpful for me um, kind of the main reason why really I think people should read this book is it's something that when I had my own children I've got two daughters I started to think a lot more about the images that they're presented with and the messages they get in life so you know all about questioning the, the clothing toys stereotypes the language that I might use around my daughters um, and actually the boys I teach deserve the same they deserve that careful consideration to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to promote healthy language to promote a range of images of gender roles um, in order to help our boys and they deserve that as much as our own children do. Seeing as this is from Page to Practice, I've decided to focus on the chapter called In the Classroom for my reflection. There are lots of other chapters that we haven't even touched upon in this podcast. Have you read the book? Tweet your reflections on the chapters we've discussed or those that we haven't using hashtag page practice podcast. Gender is a topic that has interested me ever since watching No More Girls and Boys, the documentary. And so anything that talks about gender stereotyping and how we can avoid this in our classrooms is going to be a really appealing read to me. The stories that Mark uses as examples at the start of this chapter are just the sort of things that really frustrate me, especially his last example um, of a boy who picked a sewing book to read and was asked why he'd not picked a book on space or dinosaurs. Mark discusses some of the research into gender representation in books and how, as much as we might think we're doing much better, things haven't improved quite as much as we might like to think. 
Unfortunately, it seems that too often, despite the best efforts of authors, it's the adults that are stopping boys reading books with female protagonists. Mark even cites research which shows that even animal characters still portray these damaging stereotypes. Even from a young age, children are being continually shown gender roles that are very traditional, and they're getting it from all angles. This has really made me think about the resources I use in my classroom and making sure that they don't fall into that oh-so-easy trap of stereotyping without even realising it. Even down to seemingly harmless image choices used on PowerPoints and worksheets. It would also be very easy to point out stereotypes and get students to question these when we're reading. We do it with language, as we talked about in the making every um, closing the vocabulary gap episode, and so it would be really easy for us to do the same. I'm going to be thinking critically when it comes to the resources I use, whether they're from textbooks or texts that I have written myself. Seemingly, small changes can be part of making a really big difference, and it's something that we can all do. Thanks for listening to episode four of From Page to Practice. I just want to take this opportunity to thank everyone that has contributed to an episode or more so far. I know some of you have found it a real step out of your comfort zone, and from that I'm even more appreciative. If you're interested in getting involved in a future episode, I promise you it's really easy. Get in contact and I can give you some recording hints and tips that you can do on your own smartphone or on your computer if you prefer. You record as and when you want at your own pace. With no pressure from me, I'm not there listening. You're recording in your own time. Coming up in the future, I'm looking for contributions on the following books. The Learning Rainforest in mid-November. Teach Like Nobody's Watching due in late November. Making It as a Teacher in early December. The Science of Learning in January. Dual coding with teachers in mid-January and making every lesson count, all versions of the book, in February. Just tweet me using hashtag pagepracticepodcast or send me a direct message at at bexn91. I'm really looking forward to hearing from an even wider range of people and some returners as well. Things are pretty busy for me at the moment with the Charter College Early Career Conference next weekend up in Manchester and then, fingers crossed, I should be moving house pretty soon so I'll try my best to keep to schedule but please bear with me. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons.